Yeah, we're recording. Screw it. Um. Historically hysterical. With Anish Shah. And me, Jason Edwards. Irreverent commentary on history and culture. All right, hello everybody and welcome to the first episode of Historically Hysterical. I'm your host, Jason Edwards. With me is the other host, Anish Shah. Anish, how are you today? I'm very good. I'm honored to be the other host and that was quite the uh, intro you put together for our first episode, Jason. Do you like that? Yeah, that took me, gosh, 45 seconds using, uh, <laughs> That's using this That's awesome here. considering it lasted 45 seconds. It's, yeah, well, I'm, I'm an efficient, efficient man. So, um... So what we got going on here is a uh, uh, we got an idea for a podcast. We didn't want it to be just what two jerks in a room talking. We thought it'd be two jerks in a room talking about something. That's yeah. So our goal was to um, pick a subject and talk about it. We thought let's let's start with some historical ideas. And um, before we get into that though, just a, a, a couple of couple of notes. Um, I'm Jason Edwards. I live in Seattle. Anish Shaw, where are you from? I'm from Chicago. I live in New York. What do you do in New York, Niche? I uh, I uh, tell jokes. I'm a stand-up comedian. What do you do in Seattle, Jason? Nothing. I do what my wife tells me to do. I uh, <laughs> I sit in front of a computer all day and play video games. So this is perfect, uh, perfect outlet for me for my um, my um, desire to sit in chairs all day long and do nothing. So this is perfect. That is awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I do feel like the audience should. Like it's not the first time that we're meeting. Uh, we just did those intros for your benefit. Uh, Jason is actually um, married to my sister, uh, which is um, it's nice. It builds a good relationship. Yeah. Uh, other than um, when he talks about what he does with my sister, but you know, other than that, it's fine. And, and I promise not to do that on any other episode except today's, given the subject um, we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about the history of dirty words in English and other languages. Before we get into that, though, let's just uh, let's do a little bit of warm-up here. I was thinking we could go through maybe what happened today in history and kind of get a feel for the microphone, get a feel for the space. I want you to explore the space, Anish, really explore the space. So you ready to do this? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited to explore the space. That sounded very sexual, the way that you said that, but yeah. Yeah, okay, so here we go. Today in history... All right, so that's a little bumper I made for today in history. Uh, let's see. Okay, so history has been around for a long time, as you know. We've had history <laughs> since the beginning of time. Um, here's some things that happened on today, August the 20th. Um, you might find this interesting. A niche in 917, that's BCE, a Byzantine counteroffensive was routed by Sayon at Anchilius in Bulgaria. Did you know that? I, I did know that. I didn't, I didn't know it was routed by... Uh, by Sayon, I, I thought it was uh, Mark. I thought he was the one. Nope, it was Sayon. Mark was at home playing with his kids. He's a uh, Mark. Dad. Was, Mark has always been known as a as a lazy motherfucker. Yes, he he's a lazy <laughs> asshole. That son of a yeah. Uh, today in 1667, John Milton published Paradise Lost, which, as you know, is an epic poem about the fall of Adam and Eve. Paradise Lost. I thought it was about marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a but dump bump sound clip thing going. 
Um, let's see. In I'm going to skip through some of the boring ones. In, in 1794, American General Mad Anthony Wayne defeated the Ohio Indians. No, no, no offense to you. At the Battle of Fallen Timbers <laughs> in the Northwest Territory, ending Indian resistance in the area. Uh, I mean, Indians are very resistant people. They are. Uh, you know, both kind, both feather and dot. They are resistant, <laughs> resistant to lots of things. Now, you, Anish, um, folks who are listening to this on the video or on the audio because we don't have video, may have been able to guess that your your name is not is not a Mark or Steve or Bob. Your name, you're Indian, right? Uh, yes, I am Indian. Yes, yeah. it's uh, it's Anish is a very uh, common Indian name, as is Shaw, um, which means that I have a, a rivalry with all the other Anish Shahs uh, on the planet. I am currently number three uh, on Google when you search for Anish oh, Shah, really? uh, which means that I have two other Anish Shahs to murder. Okay, well, I bet none of them have a historically historical podcast with no. Jason Edwards. So you got that going for you. <laughs> Okay, so in 1941, on this day, uh, Adolf Hitler authorized the development of the V-2 missile. Do you know what a V-2 missile is? I do not. What is a V-2 missile? I have no idea. I don't know. Research, for me, is Google Today in History and then read it to you. That's where it all ends. So, But today he authorized it. So He authorized <laughs> the development of it. I mean, what does that mean? Like, Why is that? When it comes to Hitler, how do, what does he hold back? Do you come to him and say, hey, I was thinking... Maybe we could develop this missile, and he's gonna like, no, no, no. We need to be a little no, more. No, that calm guy was—he that. was known for authorizing everything. 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 He was the—he his nickname was the Great Authorizer. Actually, <laughs> that's right, the Great Authorizer. I'm just saying, they're like, Adolf, we're gonna kill some Jews and then authorize some missiles. He's like, Jews, yes, missiles, no. Let's let's, <laughs> let's keep it calm here, guys. No, okay. Yeah. All right, I went to a dark place. Let's see. Um. Today, in 1971, which is the year I was born, the Cambodian military launched a series of operations against the Khmer Rouge. I, I'm shocked, first of all, that uh, Cambodia um, had a military, which tells you how little that I know about Cambodian history. Uh -huh. uh, was Cambodia a major player in the, in the world at some point? Oh, yeah, totally. Um they were they well when it comes to the Khmer Rouge especially they were like the uh, antagonist du jour. That is yeah. See what I did That's, there with Rouge and du jour. Yeah yeah. I, I'm, I'm riffing. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> good. All right, this is going well. Let me see what else we got here. Uh, today in 1990, Iraq moved Western hostages. Hodges. Iraq moved Western hostages to military installations to use them as human shields against air attacks by a U.S.-led multinational coalition. Those fuckers. Yeah. We would never do anything like that, would we? No, we stand there and take it. We take it, yeah. Amen. That's right. Um, <laughs> okay, one more, and then we'll move on to the subject of the day. Um, here, another one. I see the word Indian. Let's do this. In 1994, on August 20th, so, 10 years ago today, Miracle, the sacred white buffalo, born on Hyder Farm near Janesville, Wisconsin. That's it. That's all you get. It's just Miracle, a sacred white buffalo, was born. He was the first white but not albino buffalo born since 1933 and was an important religious symbol for many U.S. and Canadian Indian tribes. 
So I'm sorry, when was Rush Limbaugh born again? <laughs> <laughs> so this, so again, I'm going to be a little bit racist here, so you know, call me out on it, but, uh, you know, dot Indians be worshipping buffalo, feather, no, other way around, feather Indians be worshipping buffalo, dot Indians be worshipping cows, right? Well, yeah, it's weird how you, you were, I thought you were going to go for racist in terms of those comments that you were making about the two types of Indians, uh, but I think you were actually just racist in the the usage of B. B, like the like you you turned it into this <laughs> black guy thing, in the way that you were saying actually a like a non racist thing. I I because uh, it's true. Yeah, we do worship cows, and they worship buffalo. Mm-hmm. They worship. And we could just say that without any of the uh, the, the ghetto stuff. slang. Sure. But uh, I I feel like you felt like you needed to work in some. I mean that's fine if this is going to be a ghetto slang show. I think we can, we can make that a thing. Okay. But uh, you know, yeah, we, we be making that a thing, <laughs> yo. All right. So that was. Um, what do you think the likelihood is that we're going to end up like taping this whole thing again? Oh, very likely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. That was the uh, this week in history. Today in. History. Yeah, I'm going to have to change that to this week. All right, let's move on to the subject uh, of the week. And the subject for the week is bad words. Now, my understanding is, Anish, you have been doing some research into this subject. I have. Should we, should we start with, uh, can I give like a quick overview of, of what we do with these topics each week? Yeah, let's do that. All right, so Jason and I start out with typically very, the idea is that we start with typically very little uh, understanding it all about the topic and so this week we decided to go with swear words and we spent uh, anywhere from the last 20 minutes to the last week uh, depending on how much effort we decided to put in that week to learn as much as we can about the topic and then uh, talk uh, as, about it as much as we can from a historical perspective hopefully in a funny way as well um, most of I would say probably at least 70% of what I learned about the topic this week I'm sure I will say incorrectly, and so you should not use this for any sort of uh, research papers or... Uh, no, fuck that. You, know. you quote us, goddammit. <laughs> quote us, yes. No. Quote the shit out of We're us. We're authorities. Uh, if you need... <laughs> tell you what, at the end of the show, I'll post up how to um, how to cite us uh, AMLA style and, yes. uh, and Chicago manual of style and doggy style. All styles. You quote us. We're fucking experts. All right, I stand corrected. I'm yeah. sorry. Quote the shit out of us. Yeah. God damn it. I'm getting into the <laughs> subject here with the with the language. Um, uh, so, yeah, and, and just like you said, Anish, um, we start off with a topic we don't know a lot about, which means absolutely every topic is on the table because we know nothing. <laughs> Remember how... Women have consistently told me. That's right. Uh Plato said, all I know is I know nothing. I'm not even sure about that, to be honest with you. Yeah. little historical factoid for you. Okay, so um, you read a book. Tell us what you learned. So I read, uh, I read a book uh, called Holy Shit, A Brief History of Swearing. Um, and uh, what I learned was that uh, swearing has had a very interesting and uh, uh, verbose uh, history, because the book was uh, like almost 300 pages. Um so I, sh- I guess I should start with this idea of the, the holy and the shit, right? So most swearing, if you look historically, comes from uh, either obscenity, 
uh, like things that are uh, that you should be ashamed of, like bodily functions, like shitting or pissing or uh, having sex, uh, or the holy, like damn, uh, and and uh, you know, sort of uh, taking God's the Lord's name in vain and all that. And you put those together, and you have holy shit, which is why he came up with that very cute title. Anyways, why who came up uh, with that title? Who came up with the title? I don't know. This dude who wrote the book. Uh, we'll know this for the second time that we tape this yeah melissa melissa moore is the dude that wrote the book melissa moore is a cool dude she is a very cool dude so she started off by explaining that uh the root of all a lot of this uh, so-called obscenity is bodily functions intercourse that kind of thing yes okay Oh, and, and the uh, other type of swearing is all religiously based. And what you right. see is over time, the reason I call that out is over time, uh, the balance of what where swears uh, really had their impact uh, went back and forth between obscenity and religion. Uh, so you had in uh, Roman times, mm-hmm. uh, obscenity was, was really kind of king of that uh, seesaw. And then you got to the Middle Ages where it was all about religious swearing and obscenity really didn't matter. And then you got to the renaissance where they started to balance out a little bit and today there's just a free-for-all of fuck shit pisses and goddamns just a whole shit show of different words that people use to express um what are the words here let's play this real quick we have so many ways of describing that is not what i meant to play one more try shit piss fuck cunt cocksucker motherfucker intense that's where we are today we're going to start back in rome so you, you're telling me back in Rome it was less about religious stuff and more about the the shitting and the pissing. So yeah, in Rome actually there was um, it was it was almost like the Bronx. Like there was graffiti everywhere. Entertainers swore. Um, people swore like on every street. It was just a common part of uh, language was was cussing. And they had actually similar to George Carlin's words you can't say on TV. They had a number of uh, like their their big ten. Of words, and some of them were uh, very similar to words that we would say, and some of them were really different. So their big ten was uh, cunus, which meant cut, cunt, okay. uh, futuo, which meant to fuck, uh, mentula, which meant cock, verpa, which was an erect or circumcised cock, okay. uh, landica, which was a clit. They considered clit to be a, a very bad word um, that. Uh, I don't think that really is is really even a word. Would you call someone a quit clit today? I I might in a fit of creativity, but I'm more interested in the fact that the Romans knew there was a clit. That's pretty cool because I only found out like three weeks ago. <laughs> so uh, good on them. Then you had coolest, which meant ass. Uh, pedico, which meant to bugger. Um, and then uh, caco, which was to shit. And then the two most interesting ones were irumo and filato. So Irumo and Flato are the ones that we don't have anything like it today. Um, basically, what it meant was like uh, Irumo. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably say part of this wrong, but Irumo was basically. Um, I guess I should back up. So in Rome, there was no such like masculinity was not defined as like oh you're a uh, heterosexual or you're a homosexual, which isn't even how you define masculinity now. Sexuality was not defined as heterosexual versus homosexual. Right? It was defined as uh, whether you were dominant or passive. Or you were a pitcher or a catcher. 
Exactly. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. In, in across, that applied to, if you were a guy, that applied to uh, women, other men, and boys. And uh, most of the men, you know, had their way with all three. Okay. Right? And so... This is the history of the Roman Catholic Church. You're just Exactly. Almost yes. a joke there. Okay, sorry, go ahead. So, uh, these words... Um, shit, where'd it go? I think you mean falato, where'd it go? Irumo. Irumo, where'd it go? Um, it literally meant, uh, like, I will have dominance upon you by fucking you in your mouth. Okay. That is, that is what you would... That's how you would use it. And falato was sort of like, you are a person who allows people to have sex with you in your mouth. So it's like saying, suck my dick, cocksucker. Exactly. You wouldn't necessarily use them together, okay. but it was, suck my dick, but it was, it was more vile than suck, like, Arumo was more vile than suck my dick. It was more like, honestly, it was more, it was more like, I will rape your mouth. Okay. All right. Right? Yeah. Um, and Falato was, was basically sort of like cocksucker, but, but more focused on the passivity of the, is passivity okay. a word? Passivity? Passive, passive, okay, whatever. Passive. Passiveness of the word. Falato sounds a lot like fellatio, so I guess that's the same root there. Yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So, so arumo, is that the word, arumo? Arumo. Arumo. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rape you in the mouth, falato, because you like it that way, you pansy, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, and they would write yeah, this I on mean, bathroom walls? And... They basically had, like, the prison view of sexuality, oh, right? Okay. Like, it's not they weren't gay just because they were willing to rape you in the mouth. That just meant that they were more manly than you. Okay, okay. All right, so so in Rome, the, they had the usual sh- shit, cunt, clit, fuck, ass, and then these were the big ones. These were the I mean, if we're going to have our big ones for today, like the big heart, cunt is really most people don't like that word today. Right. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. This would have that kind of weight back then. All right. That's Rome. That was Rome. Rome. Those guys were uh, awesome. I'm going to start yeah. using it. I am going to, because people won't know. I'm, although, I, maybe I won't, because it's not like, personally, I'm not, I don't feel as if I'm more manly when I tell somebody that I am capable of holding them down and raping them in the mouth. It's not something I think I'm, one, capable of, and two, like the other day, um, I witnessed a fender bender, and this guy was bullying an old woman. And I could have shouted, you know, at him, Arumo, get back in your goddamn car. But if he knew what it meant, and he thought I meant that if he didn't, I was going to rape his mouth, that would have sent the wrong message. I mean, we definitely have a different concept of masculinity. I mean, yeah. I feel like threatening to rape someone's mouth is always a last resort. Yeah. Right? It's not off the table. Right. But, you know. Once you've gone there, you're not going to come back to, yeah, it's like, I'm going to rape you in the mouth. You're going to what? I'm going to make you cookies, and then I'm going to, you know, it doesn't make sense. Right. Okay. I did want to highlight in Rome how common it was to swear or to use cuss words. Yeah. So Augustus, who was the first emperor of Rome, this is the way that he justified war. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was saying, he said, I'll just read you the quote and I'll explain what it means. He sure. said, because Antony fucks Glafira, Fulvia decided to punish me by making me fuck her in turn. I should fuck Fulvia. What if Manius begged me to bugger him? Would I do it? I think not. If I had any sense, either fuck or fight, she says. Ah, but my cock is dearer to me than life itself. 
let the trumpet sound. <laughs> so this so is Jersey Shore. What's that? This is Rome is Jersey Shore. Right, but he's not even totally talking about sex. This is his he's using sex as a metaphor for war. So he basically this is this is to justify his conduct in the Perusian War mm-hmm. um, in forty BC, um, which was led by Fulvia, Mark Antony's wife. And he's saying basically that Fulvia was starting this war because he, she was angry that her husband was sleeping with the prostitute Glafira. And so she was fucking Augustus to take out her anger with Mark Anthony. That's poetic. Right? Yeah, it's poetic. That's like Shakespeare right there, But can yeah. you imagine like if, if our president spoke <laughs> this way? That would be awesome. That would be great. So, yeah, Hillary Clinton is... No... Bill Clinton fucks, what's her name? So Hillary Clinton becomes Secretary of State, and she decides to go fuck Iran. Okay, I don't know how it all worked out, but yeah. Exactly. I think you got you nailed that. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. awesome. <laughs> so this is what was going on back then. And, and these kinds of, so this quote was obviously written down by somebody, and these are the way they talked back then. I mean, nowadays you couldn't literally imagine an Obama or a Clinton or a, I don't know, whoever's in charge of, some other country. Who, who? Yes, but there's an interesting theory as to why uh, they would talk so openly about uh, these these uh, obscenities, right? And it's basically the idea that one of the themes that ran through the book was that um, the impact of obscenity has a lot to do with uh, the available uh, privacy for people and the resulting shame that you feel. So in Rome, they didn't have, uh, like, Homes didn't have toilets, right? They didn't have bathrooms. So you would yeah. go to these communal bathrooms where you would all just sit in a row and and take a dump together, right? Yeah. Um, which, by the way, they didn't have toilet paper either. They just had uh, sticks with sponges attached to the end of them, and they had running water underneath the toilet, and you would rinse your sponge stick off and use that to, to wipe. Totally tangential, but I thought quite interesting. Um you're and same thing with like urinating. You would, Sorry, just making up curse words in Roman times. What'd you say? You're just a shitty sponge stick. Yeah. Go I wash your, a... your sponge stick, dickless. All right, sorry. Good. <laughs> and then they would also, um, they like since they didn't have like peeing was like actually something that they just had. This is going to sound crazy, but they just had jars all over the cities, <laughs> and you could just pee. Like even women would just squat over these jars, and the. They were collected um, by the city's cleaners in order to clean clothing. That was how they actually cleaned clothing. They would dilute your the urine that they had collected to clean clothing. So this is kind of like how open all of the defecating and shitting and pissing and, and all of that was. So people were just much more comfortable using this language. They were, they were recycling. Okay. So because it was all out in the open, they were more comfortable saying it. It wasn't as... Reserved. I know you're going to get up to like uh, the 18th and 19th century. I know we're going to get a little bit more into the whole Edwardian, Victorian, reserved aspect of this. But what I'm hearing is back in Roman times, things were kind of opening out there, and so people talked about them because they were opening out there. Exactly. Okay. But the words were still considered irreverent, though. They were still considered uh, potty words, right? They were. They were considered potty words, but they were, I think, uh, used very, very commonly and in. Uh, uh, much more in everyday speech than than you would have in in most parts of history. Did um did the book mention anything about uh 
humor and these words. The reason I ask is I want to play a clip. You did an interview with some children, and all of their words, their bad words, were potty words, specifically potty words. <laughs> um, they did not mention anything about humor in these words, although I will tell you, I think I can tell you a humorous story. Uh, which was, um, I don't know, I don't know if this even has anything to do with, with anything, but it was a very fun story. By the way, uh, just tangentially, I think maybe one of the things that would be helpful is if we um, figure out, we may have to do more planning on these things, right? Like to figure out how to like Fuck no. find the funny. All right, never mind, <laughs> whatever. Um, so, uh, no, you're here, right, so I hear what you're saying. I told you earlier that Landica meant clit. Yes. And that was actually considered super offensive. Yeah. And the reason the clit was considered super offensive was because the Romans didn't believe that men were men and women were women. They believed that gender came from differences between temperature and moisture. And so if you did things that were manly, like military exercises... Mm-hmm. You would increase your temperature and reduce your moisture, which would keep you manly. But okay. if you did things that were feminine and reduced your temperature and increased your moisture, your you your penis would actually shrink down into a clit, turning you into more of a woman, and you could actually move from man to woman and vice versa, which is why calling someone a clit or indicating that they had a clit uh, to another man was hugely offensive because it was theoretically possible. Wow. I have to remember that too. Interesting. And and not to belabor the point, but I just want to make sure I got this straight. So they're, they're using these words the way we use them. They're being offensive, but they're a little bit more open and out there. Um because they see these things more often. Men and women aren't men and women. It's more a matter of who's got the biggest dick and who's got the driest clit, or the wettest clit, I guess. <laughs> the wettest clit, yeah. yeah. And and I think it's funny. You'd think it's funny, but the book didn't mention anything about people laughing at this stuff or it being used like humorously, like, hey, welcome to the forum. Uh, tonight's guest, uh, Anisha Shaughness, and he's going to tell jokes about Caesar's... Um, coolness or whatever nothing like that well they did they said entertainers use it all the time um okay. and they had um they they used like examples of uh literature yeah uh that that um used it uh and in i don't know if it was meant as as comedy um but i i think this is meant as comedy i'll i'll read to you from uh martial is how i think you say the author's name yeah i know him yeah martial um <laughs> This is just standard sort of comedic literature of the time. Why do you pluck your agent cunt, Lygia? Why stir up the ashes in your tomb? Such elegances befit girls, but you cannot even be reckoned an old woman anymore. Believe me, Lygia, that is a pretty thing for Hector's wife to do, not his mother. You are mistaken if you think this is a cunt when it no longer has anything to do with a cock. So, Lygia, for very shame, don't pluck the beard of a dead lion. (laughs) That is awesome. Right? How could that not be funny back then? Don't pluck the beard of a dead lion. I'm sure it was. I think it was very much meant to be funny. I'm saying that from now on. None of this look a gift horse in the mouth. Don't beat a dead horse thing. Don't pluck the beard of a dead lion. That is awesome. (laughs) Okay, so so back in the Roman times, so we're talking what's this is like three, four, five hundred BC, right? 
and up to, well, you said Augustus, so that's what, 200 AD? I don't know my history. I don't know. I, I didn't know you were going to check the dates. No, no, no. I'm just uh, doing that for the sake of segue. So let's bump, let's jump forward. Let's let's move into the Middle Ages. Yeah, so the Middle Ages, uh, it was, so their privacy completely went out the window. Um, so, like, the typical home in the Middle Ages, even for the very wealthy, were was was a room. It was like a, it was like one hall. And that hall is where you did your entertaining. It's where you did your uh bodily functions it's where you had sex it's where your servant slept it's where you slept it's where literally everything happened so seeing other people engage in sex seeing people naked seeing people doing their most private things was a thing that was just totally common and it totally took away the obscenity of a lot of the words that we would you know put in this obscene category as opposed to this religious category so for the middle ages it was it was actually quite interesting you could words like uh, fuck and cunt and all these all the, the whatever their equivalents were back then they had almost no power they were used by everybody they were taught in schools they were used in medical texts they were taught they in were, schools yeah they were like Johnny your word is fuck <laughs> well, it's, part of it's speech here's, uh, here are some things that they published in a book that they felt it was important for uh, grammar school children to know how to say uh you stink, uh, turd in your teeth, uh, you're the biggest coward that ever pissed, I will kill you with my own knife. Like, these are, these are <laughs> phrases that they thought were useful for, like, they taught them. It sounds crazy. Bastard was just a thing that you called somebody because they were actually a bastard. Just something they, they were, yeah. Some people had it as their last name, whatchamacallit. They, they actually considered, uh, religious stuff, like, like, damn and all that, to be uh, or what they one of their more popular ones was by God's bones. By God's um, bones. Yeah, so that was actually considered hugely insulting, and it was because they believed that your words could, like, if you said uh, by God's bones or or goddamn, like you you could actually cause physical injury to God, oh. uh, which was not is not a thing that we believe today that we could actually damage God. But right. back then, they actually thought that you could personally cause physical injury to God and so people considered it very offensive so they considered it offensive but it still had its place right people still did say these things for some reason or another they did uh, and that was kind of when people were like oh my god what did you say was when you said by God's bones Okay. so, so I might hammer my finger by mistake and I'd be like by God's bones I hate when I do that shit <laughs> and the by God's bones part was the offensive part not the shit <laughs> I fucking hate that. That wouldn't matter. Right, right. It's the by God's God's by God bones. bones. This other thing that I thought was quite uh, interesting was that obscenity wasn't considered bad. Words that might cause sinful action was considered way worse. So, uh, if you said "fuck me, you dumb bitch," right, sure. whatever the equivalent of that was, Which in the Middle Ages, I think was the first thing you said to me we ever met, right? <laughs> that is actually that's was, the first thing I say to most people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I said, by God's bones, I'm not going to. And then it was on. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, to your point, I'm not going... Like, that wasn't considered bad because it was unlikely to actually cause that girl to want to have sex with you. But... Because <laughs> normally it does cause them to want to, right? It's like, I'm not going to fuck him unless he calls me bitch. That's just my rule. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But... Where's, where's the example of this? This... It was considered very offensive... Uh, to like 
So, like, if you um, recited romantic poetry to a girl... Oh, yeah? That was very offensive, because she might actually then be interested in you. Okay. Right? So, if if your language incited sin, that was obscene. If you just used obscenity, that was totally cool. So, fuck you is okay, but fuck me. Mm -mm, No. Even that, probably fine, because she's still probably not going to do it. But if you said, your eyes are like... Uh, in a vast ocean that was actually like if you said that to uh, a, a, a girl she'd be so offended that you tried to uh, if you tried to seduce her right wow that's I just what a world it's so different from now where you can say anything you want to a woman and they understand oh he doesn't mean anything by it at all right he yeah. just wants to fuck me whereas yeah. back then it's like now I have to fuck him because he used the magic words Right. He said my eyes look like an ocean. Yeah. Looks like I'm getting laid. God damn it. God's bones. <laughs> like God's bones. Even their poetry had uh, had lots of swear words in it. Like if, if you were today, if you were going to describe uh, birds soaring through a sky, back then you would call them wind fuckers soaring through a sky. <laughs> oh, man. I'm getting so much good stuff out of this. I'm plucking lion's beards. I'm fucking the wind. This is great. So let me ask you this then, because you mentioned poetry, and I know we're going to get into censorship, like, that's when we definitely get into the 20th century, but were these things were written down, like, someone writes a poem, says, uh, I saw a windfucker, he was flying high, remind me of the time, I wanted to lift your skirt, will you come do me? And they're like, was there censorship back then? Are they going to censor out the will you come do me part? I don't know if they would censor the will you come do me part, but they definitely would have censored any of the swear words. Um, oh, they would have yeah, censored I don't- What's that? They, they wouldn't have. Oh, they wouldn't have. Okay, okay. I don't think so. Okay, uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. All right, let's let's um, let's move on to the Renaissance. This is the Enlightenment, right? The Golden Age. Just when people pulled their heads out of their assholes, um, out of their uh, what was the Roman word? Their coolises. Their <laughs> coolises, yes. And uh, you know, uh, started doing things the right way. So, what's going on in the Renaissance? How are people um, saying shit, fuck, piss? Yeah. So. In the Renaissance, um, so the Renaissance is when obscenity starts to make its rise again. It starts to have more impact. The words We're going start back to have to, meaning. Going back to the bodily functions now. Yes. Yeah. yeah the bodily. So the the fucks, the shit, the piss, all that stuff right. starts to have uh, real offensive meaning again to people, and it's not just as commonly ex- accepted. And again, it's for somewhat weird reasons, right? So first of all, um, the impact of what what they call in the book oaths right these these swearings against god sure. um they start to lose value because oaths are kind of like there's oaths are divided into two categories right there's sincere oaths so like i swear fealty to you mm-hmm. my lord right yeah and then there's uh oaths that are just sort of instant like they're you know by god's bones type of oaths right gotcha. it, it means really and it's just, it uses a uh amplifier almost the right whole taking the lord's name in vain kind of thing exactly yeah so oaths start to lose their impact uh because uh a protestants uh didn't believe who, who had come into power didn't believe that swearing could hurt god's body mm-hmm. um so they start to lose some some of their value um feudalism starts to move to capitalism which means oaths of fealty start to go towards like contracts yeah right um and so 
you start to lose the the power of the the, the religious context of all this, and so you needed some new words to uh, start to, to matter and have impact as if you wanted to have uh, if you wanted to be offensive. At the same time, uh, shame became more important because houses started to have more rooms because I'm not exactly sure why, but for all classes of people, there was anywhere from in a, in a hundred year period from like 1550 to 1650, there was like a 250 to 300 percent increase in stuff that people had they just had lots more bowls and spoons and pillows and stuff so they needed more rooms second they had new fireplace technology that meant that they could put rooms on top of rooms without burning the place down so they could now build higher and have more than one hall with the same amount of property and you're not going to tell me how technology has led to cursing better okay Right, because I feel like and there's so this, an internet analogy coming up here. Exactly, exactly. So they they called this the Great Rebuilding, where like all of Western Europe was kind of rebuilt with this new architecture, and people had privacy, and all of a sudden you didn't have to do all of this stuff in front of people, and it was considered embarrassing and shameful to do it. And so these words started to regain power. The words that normally that before weren't so private are now about more private things. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And then the second thing that happened was the British Empire started to expand, and so this was the first time you started to see common use of racial slurs, which was exciting. Ah, okay, okay. Now I know that, now we're going to get into this, but uh, this is where I start getting interested. The <laughs> <laughs> it does sound bad, doesn't it? Given the racist stuff I was saying earlier. No, like you haven't really gotten into how uh, foul language, quote-unquote foul language, is a class marker, the difference between classes which is akin to the difference between the races and the rise of the English. And I also want to talk about, if we have time, how uh, bad words work in English versus other languages, and these all go together. So you've got the rise of the British, the rise of their racism. So could continue. What's, what's going on there? Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I totally broke your flow, <laughs> didn't I? Yeah, I'll go back and edit out my last three minutes. Um, no, no, no. I... No, you said uh, the Great Rebuilding, more private, uh, more people being private, and those private things are now becoming, um, to talk about it is to be more obscene, and you've got the, the rise of the, what, the British Empire, of Great Britain's power, and their institutionalized racism. Yes, yes, good word. Um, yeah, and then you also had uh, the U.S. start to become a major player, and you started to see uh, the U.S., have public positions that had nothing to do with taking oaths anymore, but rather affirmations. Um, so we're not really in the Renaissance anymore. Now we're we're moving. We're in like the 16th, 17th century, or I should say 17th, 18th century. When you're talking about America, I'm being pedantic. Let's. Oh about. yeah, I'm sorry. The yeah. the racial slurs part. Um, yeah, now we're into the 18th and 19th century. Sorry. Yeah, okay. I didn't tell you when we left the Renaissance. That was all I had to say about the Renaissance. Okay. All right. So now we're moving into the part that I've read a little bit about, the Edwardian period, the Victorian period, uh, Rise of America, classicism, racism. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, basically you see that uh, racial slurs start to take effect. Oaths start to really mean very little uh, as atheists atheists begin getting elected to things. So obscenity really starts to become kind of the the bodily function part of it uh, starts to really dominate. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have uh, 
a tremendous amount of repression at this time, right? So some, you know, you have kind of the Victorian area, there's no allusions to sexuality. Um, a, a, an interesting thing that I read were uh, men were so uh, sometimes um, uh, naive about sexuality that they, they learned uh, about a woman's body from like Greek and Roman statues. And so they, um, they would be surprised and somewhat disgusted to find uh, that their wives had pubic hair. <laughs> okay. Um, There's got to be a joke in there. Uh, I'm, I'm married to your sister, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's what they call the age of euphemism, so you never said any bad words. Like you, right. Even pornography did not have... Uh, bad words like they would <laughs> porn, pornography like literature lit, uh, literature that was pornographic would use words like machine and juices instead of like penis and cum why right? okay <laughs> like I, you thrust your machine and elicited my angry juices angry it's juices like pornography <laughs> so this that had to have a huge uh, effect on the power of the words, right? I mean, that's the whole point of this, is that the more taboo a word is, the more power it has when it's actually said, right? Yeah. I, mean, I feel like, starting with the Victorians, we had really, not to make a stupid pun, a renaissance of bad language because they repressed people more, <laughs> and so the words became that much more powerful up to today. Yeah, I think that they became hugely more powerful um, up until uh, the World Wars, Okay. Yeah. Uh, and from what I understand, that was when um, things started to really uh, shift, and and you had these soldiers who were going through horrible things, right? Uh, just daily potential death, uh, gassings, all these crazy things, and they would, you know, quote swear like sailors, right? Yeah. And it, they the words lost a lot of their power and their meaning and their their shock value and they brought them home with them over the course of World War One and World War Two mm -hmm. uh, to the point where it become became much more acceptable common you started seeing it in movies and, uh, and 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 places where you normally wouldn't have seen it not that there was movies before then but uh, I mean, yeah <laughs> what's that I said know what you meant yeah 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 um, and then uh, and then you had the sixties. Uh, where uh, there was just this revolution of like, there's nothing to be ashamed of, no, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just total sexual openness, and that really was uh, the big turning point where the floodgates just kind of opened and everybody could say everything. Uh, and and then you started yeah, to have ahead. lots of uh, laws and, and 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 court cases starting to take effect. The most interesting of which was the Fighting Words Doctrine. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, vaguely, let's say no. So the fighting word—I didn't—I didn't know this. The fighting words doctrine uh, came out in the 1940s, actually, a little bit before that sexual revolution in the 60s. Um, and so I thought, like, if you and I are are standing there, right, and and you're, let's say that you're like doing some work for me or something like that, right, yeah. and I start swearing at you, that you don't have, uh, like, like me hit you i'm just allowed to do that right freedom of speech mm -hmm. but i'm not actually okay. under the fighting words doctrine which is still it's still there's still court cases around this today actually where if you say the n-word to a black person yeah those are considered fighting words and words that uh you should have expected to disturb the peace oh okay that makes sense right 
sort of like shouting fire in a theater. If yeah, you yeah. say something really offensive to somebody and they turn around and hit you, you violated the fighting words doctrine and technically you could be the one that was at fault. I see, I see. So if I walked up to you and I said, hey, Anish, I fucked your mom, and you punched me, that's on me. I can't sue you now because... Maybe. I mean, so there's a lot of, like, back and forth. So, like, uh, one of the places where they tried to use fighting words doctrine and they failed was, um, I forget who it was, uh, in, in during the Vietnam War, the guy came into court uh, wearing a t-shirt that said, uh, fuck the draft. Okay. Right? And uh, they went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said that that didn't qualify under the fighting words doctrine because it shouldn't be expected to have broken the peace. Right. Uh, disturbed the peace. Yeah. Uh, and similarly, like, if you... you Actually, one of the people that you can, uh, from what I understand, be very vulgar with is police officers. Okay. Uh, and it's because they are expected to have a higher level of uh, restraint than a normal sure. citizen. Sure. Okay. So, but yeah, I mean, I think the idea that you can just start cussing at people, which I thought was totally true. Yeah, yeah. Not true. So freedom of speech protects you from saying something that somebody later censors but it doesn't protect you from shouting words in somebody's face um if they punch you as a result of this he was like well you should have known better that's probably true for i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be the the word but just any kind of like if you're going to disturb if i walked up to you and said you know great big cheeseburger you cow worshiper none of those are none of those are bad words but if i shouted that at you and you decided to smack me that's on me According to this doctrine or whatever. Well, yeah, and technically I don't really have to even have to smack you. I think the point is that uh, I could just call the police and you could be arrested. Ah, okay, even better. All right. I'll have to remember right. that next time we go to a wedding together because, right, exactly. you know me, Stop. I get drunk a little bit. And Stop just... telling people that they're dumb cow worshippers, Jason. I'm telling you. <laughs> I know. It's... I've had this talk so many times. We have, but then I get drunk and I forget, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, not to, you know rehash too much stuff but there was something i want to talk about although you make a good point you made it a little while ago we got to find the funny so if this isn't funny we'll go back to it but it seems to me that starting with um well okay you, you mentioned we've got world war one everything went to shit and um when we study uh literature and art and stuff we talk about the so-called modern era and the so-called postmodern era and what we're talking about with these is when we lost our sense of order. We lost our sense that there is a structure to things, that there is a purpose. World War One and World War Two kind of opened everyone's eyes to the idea that everything's fucked and always will be, so whatever, right? And it seems like it's the same things happening with this language where, you know, the Victorians are saying, you can't even say cock, you have to say machine. Whereas in the trenches, it's like, we're fucked, guys. We're fucked. It's like, you shouldn't say that. Well, you know, I saw a guy eat his own leg after it got blown off because he was starving. So, fuck yourself. You exactly. Know, when we got more back into a kind of a, a sense of, of place and purpose, you know, we started censoring things. And I think the reason we started doing that, tell me if I'm wrong, is that it was a means by which to uh, divide the classes, uh, foment more oppression. I remember listening to that George Carlin thing, and he's talking a lot about how uh, the words we use to describe bad words are words that divide. You know, we talk about gutter talk, trash talk, barracks talk. Uh, we People who say that's ghetto language, which I think is a, you know, we could stick to that point right there. The idea that these are words that only low-class people use. Let's censor them. That way, if anybody uses it, we can make them pay a fine and keep them down. Censorship is a tool for oppression. Yeah, I think that... Um 
that absolutely was the case and and part of the reason that people uh sort of maintained societal politeness was because uh you had gone from this system of not being able to move classes in in you know a feudalistic society mm-hmm. to a society where you could move classes and so if you wanted to move up you had to learn the rules of the new class right before it didn't matter you were always going to be a lower class person so you might as well act like it and you're always going to be an upper class person so go ahead and say funk and and shit and piss because you're not going to descend at all that makes sense so i guess here's how i'll bring it back to something sort of amusing if 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 i can belabor this point about um you know language and bad words and dividing the classes and the races do you have a sense for when the rise of stand-up comedy began do you have a sense of when comedians started to use language you know we can obviously talk about george carlin obviously talk about um oh the guy lenny bruce lenny bruce thank you you knew where i was going with this and how through comedy you've got these guys who are pointing out the absurdity of censoring people yeah i mean i think that really i think if you look at it lenny bruce was probably the uh big moving point right like lenny bruce would actually call uh, George Carlin, the next Lenny Bruce, mm-hmm. um, and it's weird to think of George Carlin as like an up and coming uh, star, but he would tell that to lots of people uh, that 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 he was the next Lenny Bruce. Yeah, I mean, I think that they started to really have an impact on people, but I think it was it was also interesting because it was almost more about the movement and being able to say what you wanted to say uh, at times than than uh, comedy, right? Well, like, course, yeah. What I just mean to say is couched in the the couched in comedy it, it's a way to get away with talking about what you want to talk about right we even have laws now that say if, as long as you're satirizing or parodying something you can say whatever you want you know you can you can't say let's kill the president but you can make a joke for example right and so you got lenny bruce maybe and, you can make a joke yeah okay you, yeah yeah but <laughs> i look way too terroristy to make that joke <laughs> that's a good point okay well it's not a joke that i make um, but uh, what I'm getting at is, it just, I think it's great how comedians so often point out the absurdity of things. I mean, that's kind of their job, right? And even today, this is something you and I have talked about how, you know, you go up to a little kid and you say, tell me some bad words, which you did. I guess we should play that clip. Should I just play that clip? I'm going to play it. Why not? Um, and then I'll make my point. Do you know any bad words? What? Do you know any bad words? Like what? Like bad words, like words, like naughty words. Yeah. Like what? What's the naughtiest word you know? Stupid. Stupid is the naughtiest word you know? And uh, and poopy head, right? And poopy head, right? Yes. So we have stupid, we have poopy head. What other naughty words do you know? Uh, nasty. Nasty? What? And peepee head. Peepee head? Yeah. Peepee head. And peepee dangus mix. And what at the time? Who says more bad words, him or you? Poopy. Yes. Poopy, Dunkus, peepee, stupid, nasty. Peepee, poopy. Oh, yeah, peepee, poopy. Oh, stinky ninja turtles. Stinky ninja turtles. What? Nasty, stupid, Dunkus, poopy, Dunkus, poopy, nasty, 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 poopy, Dunkus. <laughs> oh, no, I can't breathe. Does anyone get in trouble for saying bad words? They smack us in the butt. <laughs> So, so I, I sh- go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I brought that up for two reasons. One, we were talking before about how you know the root of a lot of bad words are, 
you know, bodily functions. And for these kids, what, three and five, right? Yeah, so they were they were three and five, yes. Yeah, so for them, the first, the first word I think they said was nasty and stinky, right? But that's right. probably, they're probably kind of feeling the environment and they didn't know what they're allowed to say. But when you got them into it, they're like saying poo-poo and pee-pee, right? These bodily functions. But they were also laughing the whole time. They thought it was hilarious. They you did? Know, the, that irony, the, the, the juxtaposition of this is what I'm supposed to do, but this is what I want to do, that kind of thing. You know, I think that's what comedians are for. Therefore, you know, recognizing how absolutely absurd it is that we shouldn't have any kind of structure to anything at all. That's what they're constantly doing, pointing out the absurdity of you think you know, but you don't. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I agree. And honestly, I mean, it, it was interesting to see those kids because this was, to your point, like they're, they're laughing uh, so hard, I think, because they, they are finally <laughs> allowed to say these words. Yeah. And it was... Jason, I'm not going to lie, I think it was the greatest conversation they had ever had in their lives. What, what we just played for everybody was a one-minute version of what was like a half-hour conversation where this just went on incessantly. They were rolling on the ground laughing from these words. And, you know, one of them is not even a real word. Dunkus is not a real word. <laughs> they just keep shouting Dunkus. It's a word that they made up, but they say it in such a mean way that to each other. Uh, that their parents have have decided it's a bad right, word right. that they're not allowed to say, but it's not a real bad word. And it's you know the other way that I was uh, thinking about this, you know, like to bring it back to the comedy thing mm -hmm. is they are laughing, rolling from these words. But as comedians, we're often told, you know, like you got to keep it clean. You got to keep it clean. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you have to use those words, or people laughing just for those words, or is the joke underlying it funny? And I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a relatively clean comedian. Um, I don't really use a, a lot of those words. But, you know, I listen to something like that. And and I, I realize um, that, I mean, those are still words that are tools that we have available to us. And there's something magical about obscenity that just elicits laughter. And occasionally, if you want to emphasize or really punctuate something, there's no better way to do it. I, I, I mean, I remember as a... As an elementary school kid, I uh, I had a lot of when I was like eight, a little bit older than those kids. I had a lot of guilt mm -hmm. when I would say swear words, and so I wouldn't say them. So instead of like fuck, I would say frick, and yeah. instead of like dickweed, did you ever say dickweed growing up? Oh sure, yeah. So I wouldn't say I wouldn't say the dick part. I just like sort of pause and then say weed, like I was like you know a, a hip hop song on on radio, right? And so like, but there's no power in turning like if if someone shoves me and i'm and i can say fuck you you dickweed that's a lot a lot more impactful than frick you you weed right like <laughs> that, that's what i would say and people would look at me like what is wrong with this child yeah yeah <laughs> but that's just who i was well it's probably some linguist somewhere has figured out that language has had uh, powerful words since language developed go way back to i don't know neanderthals and grunting and groaning and there's probably some grunt you weren't allowed to say like, uh, hey, Ugh, the dude totally grunted at you. You gonna take that? You know, the, you, the way he's talking. You know, and then as as you know, you talked about you know Roman times and Middle Ages, and and as we have different anthropological reasons for why words are bad or, or words aren't bad. Um, nevertheless, there's always this collection of words that you're supposed to use or not supposed to use, and I don't know. It's, I think it says a lot about the human condition, and I think it's fucking great. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think, think it's, it's fucking great. great. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think we've exhausted this topic enough to kind of put a cap on it, or um, anything else you want to say about? We're we're approaching an hour. I don't know how long we were supposed to do this, but uh, I'm feeling pretty good about what we did. Um, do you do you think that if you ever have kids, would you let them swear in front of you? Yeah. Um, I think I would. I see, and I don't want to get too serious, but I see the devastating effect that some words can have on people um, because they take them so personally. And I don't want my children to ever take language personally. I don't want them to have a sense that they own it, like that's my word, not your word. I get to say that you don't. I want that to ever be the case. And I also don't want them to feel they have any that, that kind of power over someone else. You know what I mean? Like, if they can go up to somebody and they know, oh, I have a secret word that's going to make this person cry, I don't like that idea. So, no, I'm going to let them cuss all they want. But at the same time, teach them, you know, look, if you want people to respect you, and this is a little speech that I gave to somebody a while ago, you know, some white guy was whining, says, oh, it's terrible, I never get to say the N-word. And it's like, yeah, you can, you can say it if you want to. No one's going to stop you. Say it if you want to. In fact... Not only can you say it, I bet nothing bad will happen to you. I bet you no one's going to beat you up. No one's going to get in your face. People will be embarrassed, and people won't like you, and you won't get that job, and you might not get that you know, service done that you wanted wherever you're at because you're shouting the N-word. But the truth of the matter is, you can say it all you want. You're not going to make anybody change their mind about themselves. They're just going to make, you're just going to make them change their mind about you. So that's what I hope to teach my kids. Their Interesting. Speech over. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, I don't know, I don't know what I will do with my kids, but I think there's a lot of validity in what you said in feeling like you have so much power. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Like, I remember when I was eight, right? And uh, the dick weed years. Yeah. What's that? Excuse me, the pause weed years. The the guilt, yes, the guilt years of where I would just invent reasons to feel bad about, about these words. And so I remember I was sitting there and, uh, um, my grandmother was was visiting from India, and we were watching. Uh, we were watching. We we're just sitting there watching TV. I was actually watching. She's just staring at the TV because she didn't know any English. Um, and uh, and I had this thought, like little eight year old me had this thought um, that was, uh, oh my god, what if I just said a bunch of swear words to grandma right now? And like then, and, and as soon as I had it, I couldn't stop thinking of the swear words. So in my mind, on repeat, was just like, fuck shit, bitch, piss, motherfucker, fuck shit, shit bitch, piss, motherfucker, fuck, motherfucker, and tit. <laughs> exactly. Just constant. It would not stop. And I was, and I'm freaking, I'm like, Anish, you can't say, what are you thinking? How, what are you, again, I got so stressed about it. And I, I, I went to the backyard and I just started pacing around the backyard like this little eight-year-old. Like, if I, like it would, it, the only way it would have been more perfect, like, is if I had like a cigarette and I was just taking drags, like thinking about <laughs> how upsetting, I, upset I was at myself for for having not even said these words, just thought them. And then my mom could see me from the kitchen, and so she opened the window and she's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Mom, I, 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 I did something really bad." And she's like, what'd you do? And I was like, I thought about saying, you know, all these words like fuck shit, bitch, motherfucker to to grandma. And she's like, well, that's really, wait, did you say you just thought about him? And I'm like, yeah. And then my mom was like, literally, she was like, then who gives a shit? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. You were like borderline Tourette's there. That's great. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Who gives a shit? 
<laughs> I think that's, you know, maybe one of these uh, historically hysterical, we'll talk about the history of religion, because that's a simple topic, right? Right. And we'll talk about how, uh, you know, some faiths tell you that it's it's just as bad to think it, it is to do it. Um, I don't think that's true. I mean, you can think whatever you want to, but um, that's kind of funny that you, at the age of eight, were like, oh, geez, I had a bad thought. Yeah. That's awesome. I had them all the time. Yeah? Um, I'm having one right now. Oh, wait, we're not supposed <laughs> to talk about your sister. Sorry. So. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, what do you think? You want to put a put a lid on this? Sure. Um, um, as a sort of a coda, and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, so they do this. They say, you know, uh, what they can, what we can expect from them in the future, and also what's going on. So, um, do you have any last thoughts? And then I'll roll into that. No, I don't. Uh, I don't have any last thoughts. I think this was uh, a good first run, and. See how it sounds. Yeah, we'll see how it sounds. I think the content's great. We'll see how the engineering goes. So um, hopefully we'll be uh, doing this once a week or so. In the meantime, Anish, where can folks find you if they want to stalk you in the great city of New York? Uh, September 11th, I will be performing at Caroline's on uh, my show, International Incident, uh, which is a regular show I run out there. Uh, it'll be a really fun show. We should have uh, a few hundred people out there to check it out. And... Uh, it's really fun. It's like a variety show where I host it. We have interviews, we have sketches, we have stand-up, uh, all kinds of uh, fun and interesting things. Excellent, excellent. Okay, and if anybody hears this, I doubt that's going to happen. If anybody hears this and they want to give us some feedback, you can send an email to, um, I don't know, where should they send the email? I should just create an email for the show, huh? Um, Probably. I really didn't think this through. Um, I'll put an email, attach it to the um, the show notes when it goes on uh, iTunes there and we'll see I, I guess you have to upload these podcasts to so like Stitcher and Dogcatcher and um, Muff Diver I don't know all the different things and for future reference folks uh, they will all be this uh, curse word laden even though we did champion the use of foul language we'll probably keep it in check because like uh, Anish said he works clean 90% of the time 90% 95% I'd say 90 fucking 5% of the time. 90 fucking 5% of the time. Okay, so um, for Anish Shah, I'm Jason Edwards. Thanks so much, everybody. Uh, and we'll see you next time on Historically Hysterical. <laughs>